Turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start there, and we're in a series right now called What to Expect in 2023, and we've been looking at a few things that are changing in the church, changing in the nation, and I've been sharing with you some things that, that I see coming around the corner for our nation, for the church. Uh, these are not things that I'm prophesying. They're just things that as I'm involved in the church world, uh, these are things that I've observed and seen, and these are things that I'm expecting uh, to happen and sort of preparing myself for and therefore preparing our church for. So the, we had talked about a couple things. We, we talked about, uh, you know, more deception, expecting to see more deception in the church and in the world. We talked about la- uh, last week about the traditional marriage and family being under more attack, um, more resistance against that. And it's, again, it's not a person, it's not a government, it's a spirit. This, Satan hates us, and he hates this, he hates the church, and he hates the nation, and that's one of his best strategies is to destroy the family if he's trying to destroy a nation or if he's trying to destroy the church because it's God's model. So if you missed that, go back and listen last week. Very important, very important sermon. This week, we're going to talk about another thing that I'm expecting uh, to begin to happen. And again, these aren't all in 2023. Just looking forward from 2023, we're expecting to see some of these things. One of the things I'm expecting is that it will be harder and harder to find the true church of God. I think it will be harder and harder for people to find what you might call good churches, Um, and you go, well, are there bad churches? Yes. Yes. And we're not here to, to uh, critique them this morning. I'm going to try to avoid that as much as possible because, quite frankly, uh, I am naturally very sympathetic towards pastors and churches and the struggle that they have to be faithful to God's Word, to lead the way that the Spirit is leading us to do in a, in a culture and nation that's changing. That's a challenge. And there are a lot of things that can muddy that up. I don't know if you've noticed, but for a long time, uh, one of the biggest challenges that face that churches face, praise God, not really much of an issue here, even though it does uh, present itself from time to time. One of the biggest challenges that churches can face is from the inside, not from the outside. And, and I wish it didn't have to be that way. But so many times churches get trapped, I would say, tripped up, deceived by the enemy, and they end up fighting each other. Instead of fighting the world. How many know Satan loves that? Oh my goodness, he loves that. If we could be so foolish and petty and immature to get caught up fighting, you know, and and arguing on inward things versus fighting the real battle, I I think Satan loves that. Um, So I understand the battles of a pastor in a church. Obviously, I am one. And I'm very involved. I have been involved in ministry practically my whole life. So I know the challenges of it. However... If we're not careful as the body of Christ, we can get off. And it doesn't take much to get off before we're not actually looking like what Jesus wanted us to look like as a church. And so our focus today um, is going to really, as always, we kind of want to look inward and make sure we're doing what we're supposed to do. But I do expect, I do expect that as the nation changes, that finding a good church that is the true church of God, is going to be harder and harder. You can certainly still do it, but I'm expecting it to change little by little. Why? Because resistance is going to increase. Persecution is going to increase. 
staying faithful to God's word and preaching God's word will become more costly. It will become more unpopular. So as you say things that are not popular with the current culture or even the current church culture, it may not lead to the things that every pastor and every church wants, which is growth. But I told you this a few weeks ago. For us, we no longer look at church growth as a goal to be attained. Church growth is not anything that we're even after. What we're after is pleasing God. And the growth is up to God. And, and you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes Jesus preached a message that led to his entire crowd abandoning him and leaving him. Now, I'm not hoping, I don't, look, y'all hang with me, okay? I don't want you, like, walking out this morning. But sometimes Jesus said things that were so offensive, he was correct, but the crowd was wrong. The crowd couldn't hear it. The crowd was sinful. They were rebellious, so they rejected what he said, and they left him. And all he did, he didn't cry over it. He turned around and looked to the disciples. He said, what, y'all going to leave too? And that was his focus. Now, I do believe that healthy churches should grow. And I do, I do believe that that should be a byproduct. But it should not be the focus. Does that make sense? If you, if you put it as the focus, you're going to get off. If you put pleasing God as the focus and don't worry about the results, then you're going to be on the right track. Amen. Hebrews eleven twenty three says, Let us hold fast. The confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Did you notice from this verse that we need to be stirred up by one another? You see, this is one of the main values of, of churches. When you are isolated, and people think this sometimes, they think, well, I can just serve God on my own. I don't have to go to church. I could just have a relationship with God. I think that you might not be aware of, some people who think that might not be aware of all that they're missing out on that God intended for the church to be. And one of those things is right here. He says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. When you're part of a church, a part of a healthy church, one of the things that happens is you get stirred up. Not just from the sermon, but from the other people in the church. How many of you sometimes get stirred up in worship? You get stirred up from the sermon, the sermon you preach. Maybe you get stirred up in life groups from talking to other believers and, and hearing a believer share and say, this is what God's doing in my life. This is what I've been you know, praying about. This is what I've been wanting to change. And you get stirred up and you go, well, man, maybe I need to change that. I hadn't even thought about that in years. And this person is passionate. What happens? Well, we're stirring up one another. Listen, it's valuable. When you're isolated, you don't get that. When you're isolated... You can be on a path towards being lukewarm and not even know because you don't have any kind of standard around you to say, hey, you're, you're, you need to wake up. So we have to stir one another up. And this is what he says. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Some of us need to be stirred up just a little bit. And the church can do that. The church, a, a healthy, good church is good at doing that. And I like what he says. He said, let us consider how. That means give it some thought. In other words, don't just let it happen uh, organic. Don't let, don't let it just happen with happenstance. But actually think about how to stir up one another. I've seen people come together and go, hey, 
I'm struggling to pray and read my Bible. You're struggling to pray and read your Bible. Let's, let's hold each other accountable. Let's, let's talk each week and ask, hey, how are you doing? Did you read this week? Did you pray this week? Let's, let's get together once a week for coffee and, and see if we can encourage one another. See, that's being intentional about stirring one another up. Let me put this out there for you. When you show up to church on Sunday morning, when you show up, if you show up to life groups, how do you show up? Do you actually show up in a position to be able to stir up somebody else? Or can the opposite happen that you show up and you're actually dragging other people down? That can happen too. You show up and you're defeated, depressed. And then look, if, if that's how you got to come to church, fine. But how many of you shouldn't come to church every week like that? <laughs> if you, if you got to come, you know, skating in on one, on one wheel, <laughs> you know, that's fine. But ideally, if we all show up, like before I come to church on Sunday, I have to show up prepared. You go, well, you're preaching, so obviously. But I have to show up prepared. What does that mean? Well, it means that at my house, before I come, I'm worshiping. I'm praying. I'm reading the Bible. I, I get up early on Sunday mornings, and I prepare my heart and spirit because I don't want to get up here and drag y'all down. I want to stir you up. But he says that actually that's the role of the entire body. And when we come together, we should be stirring one another up towards love and good works. Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together. So he says, don't neglect this, as is the habit of some. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day. Notice that's capital letters because he's talking about the day of Jesus Christ. He's talking about the second coming. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So he says as that day draws near, it's going to become even more important that you gather together and that you don't neglect, neglect it. Why? Well, it's very simple. We know from Scripture that the earth is going to get darker, that deception is going to increase, sin is going to increase as those things happen. And it's going to be harder to live isolated as a Christian. So he says it's even more important as the day draws near that you get in a habit of gathering together with other believers because you're going to need one another. You're going to need to be stirred up. You're going to need to stir up others. Maybe you're having a good day and you can stir others up. Maybe you're having a bad week and need to be stirred up. It's the church. It's what the church does. Also notice that neglecting to meet together is a habit. He said, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. Did you know that coming to church or not coming to church can become a habit? That's it. That's it. In other words, you miss one time and before you know it, you're missing two times. There are a lot of people that used to be in, every church, be, used to be in church every week. Now they're in church once a month. I'm not talking about this church. I'm just meaning, I'm talking about really the church at large because church attendance has gone down nationwide. What happened? Well, they developed a habit for whatever reason. Maybe, as I said, that good churches are harder and harder to find. I'm not sure. But for whatever reason, the church attendance is down. But I say this, it's important enough to me that I'm going to do the work necessary to, number one, find the church where I'm supposed to be. Does that mean that that church is going to be perfect? No. Not, not unless you attend this one. Now, if you attend this one, it's very, I'm just kidding. It's not perfect. Of course, it's not perfect. No church is perfect. No pastor is perfect. No, no people that attend the church are perfect. There's no such thing. 
So we're not looking for that. But what we're looking for is a church and, and leadership team that has the heart of God. And that they don't care one bit about whether people offend it or don't like it. The only thing they fear is not pleasing God. And when you have that, you can build, you can build a church. You can, you can lead a church in the right direction. So he says, not neglecting to meet together as has become the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So having good churches in the last days will be crucial for people to, to be part of, but they're also going to be more scarce, which is going to be a challenge. Now, let's look at Acts chapter 20, verse 28. I want us to look at something Paul said to the Ephesian church as he was departing. This church had been planted by Paul. Several years had been spent there. He'd raised up elders and overseers in that church that he was leaving behind to pastor the church. And in uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 28, he said, Pay careful attention to yourself. So he's talking, remember, to the, the pastors or the elders, the overseers, the Bible calls them, of the Ephesian church. And he tells them, Pay careful attention to yourself and to all the flock. Let's stop right there. For a pastor, it's incredibly important that we pay attention to ourselves, not just to the flock. And this is where you see a disconnect sometimes is the pastors can be busy taking care of everyone else and making sure that they're hearing what they're supposed to be hearing from the Word of God that they are teaching everyone else, but while, meanwhile, maybe their own prayer life is crumbling, or their own spiritual life is crumbling, or their own you know, marriage health, physical health is not being taken care of. That's why Paul said, pay careful attention to yourself and to the flock. Of course, he's talking to pastors, but this applies to all of us. If you're going to lead anybody, lead anything, if you're, a, if you're a school teacher, if you're a business owner... You, not, you only can't take care of the business. You have to take care of yourself. Because if you fail, you know, if you're a business owner and, and something happens to you, what happens to all the employees and the business and the customers and everybody that depends on you? So whoever's at, whoever's at the top of, of anything, whether it's a church or business or family, they can't just look after the people under them. You know, maybe all you do is, is you're raising a family. Well, you can't just look after the kids. You have to look after yourself because the way you go, so goes the rest of the family and those things that are under you. So Paul, that's what he's saying. He said, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. And I love this. I think about this all the time. Paul's telling them the Holy Spirit has made you overseers of the thing that God is most uh, in love with and that he cares for the most, which is the church of God. And he obtained it with his own blood. So he's reminding them, you work for God. And the thing that you're serving, the church, is very, very costly and very, very precious. So don't, don't mess it up. Verse 29, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. 
Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish every one of you with tears. So let's look at this last thing that, that he says. He says, after I leave, now this is prophetic. He's, he's stating this from knowledge that God has given him by the Holy Spirit. And he lets the, the elders know. He says, even, he says, after I leave, fierce wolves will come to attack the church. You want to know why? It can be difficult to find a good church. You, if some of you have been part of churches where there was backbiting, division, uh, uh, offense, fighting, you know, f- uh, factions of this group with this group and, and, and arguments and things like that. Listen, it, it's not an accident. The, the church is the, one of the most important things that God has on this planet to accomplish his will. And Satan fights it tooth and nail. As the church has minimized in its influence, the nation has gone a different direction. And the more the influence of the church weakens, the weaker the church becomes, the the stronger that that sinful spirit and rebellious spirit in the nation is going to get. Satan knows that, so he fights it. If he, can, if he can affect the pastor, he will. If he can't, then he goes, let's find somebody on staff. Let's find somebody in the worship team. Let's find somebody in the church. Let, let, whatever we've got to do to cause problems, cause issues, to slow this thing down, to slow down what God is trying to accomplish, then he will do it. Why? Because we are at war. And so it shouldn't surprise us. That'd be like if you're in the military and and you're crossing over into enemy lines and you got your tanks and your, and your jeeps and you got everything in order and you just walk, you just roll right over and you're like, there's no enemy, there's no resistance. You would think something's wrong. <laughs> Is this a trap? Why, why do we have no resist? That would be totally out of place. Same thing with the church. We're at war. And as we roll forward and as we advance and as we move forward, if, if we find ourselves with no resistance and no, no, uh, you know, nothing fighting us, no problems, something's the matter. No, we should expect that. That's going to happen. But what we have to purpose is that we're not going to be part of the problem. We're going to be part of the solution. And so we purpose that in our, in our hearts. You know, that's why when... Um, in churches, sometimes you could get, you know, people could get notorious. Churches can be notorious for certain things. You know, you build, you want to paint the walls a color, and they build a committee to decide what, what color the walls ought to be painted. How many know we're not doing that? <laughs> we're not, we're not going to open a committee to figure out what color the walls need to be painted. Why? Because it's, you slow everything so down, and, and it's all about this person's opinion and this and that and other. Look, that's not why we're here. We are here to fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. And we stay focused on that. And so we, we move forward on that. And we don't get bogged down and all that, all that type of stuff. Notice from this passage a few things. Number one, shepherds are to care for the sheep. Not exploit them for their own purposes. You see, this can happen. This can happen. Let me, let me use an example uh, like we were talking about earlier from a business. Maybe you run a business. And ever, if you run a business, you understand how it can become about other things than the customer. Maybe you went into your business because you really cared about the customers in that area. But it's very easy to switch to where now it's about making money. And if the customers suffer but I'm making more money, that's okay. And it's easy to get into that vein. And that's anything in life. But churches can be that way. 
instead of caring for the sheep, which is the primary purpose, the focus can shift as the sheep, the people of God, just being a means to an end. In other words, I have a goal that I want to accomplish, and if I can use people to accomplish that, and you can, you can get in that mode. And so then it becomes all about growth, and it all becomes all about expanding and, and you know, having multiple campuses and multiple services. And, and nothing wrong with any of that, by the way. Nothing wrong with growth and expanding and all of that. I hope we grow and expand. I got no problem with that. Pro- but the, what I'm saying is you can switch your focus from what you're seeking, and that, that is what makes it wrong. So it matters what your motive is and what your heart is. And so Paul tells them this. Notice also that Paul expects as normal that fierce wolves will come to destroy the flock. So he's telling the, the overseer, he's saying, you need to pay attention because you're not going to go unresisted. You're not going to advance unhindered. There will be fierce wolves, whether that's people, whether it's the spiritual world, whatever, that will try to stop what God's doing here. Notice also that sometimes these fierce wolves rise from within. And when he says it here, he's talking to the elders. He says, these fierce wolves will come. And he said, some of them will rise from among you. So he's talking to the the pastors and the overseers. And he says, even among the leadership, that fierce wolves can rise up there. And so, again, it's, it's just, it's so important to take care of ourselves and make sure that we're doing what God wants us to do, not just the people, but the pastors, the leadership, anyone involved, becomes incredibly important. And here's the one thing, you go, well, why would that happen? Why would, why would fierce wolves rise from within the leadership of a church? He tells us, he says, to draw away the disciples after themselves. In other words, I lost my purpose of pointing people to Jesus, and now I'm drawing people to myself. This is always a problem with, with people in leadership. Like when you look at the Old Testament kings. What, what happened? Well, at a certain point, you can switch from building God's kingdom to now you're building your own kingdom. And what's the purpose to draw people to themselves? This is a, this is a big problem in our world. You know, this is why we have Instagram stars. It's why we have, you know, YouTube stars. Well, just to draw people to themselves, to draw a following draw people after themselves so that they can be something special and something important. And so he warns, he says, don't let that happen. He says, you have to fight that. You've got to fight it in yourself and you've got to fight it in the leadership. You've got to make sure that everybody's doing this for God and for the right reasons. But I expect that in and, I'm, and I've got to be so careful here because I don't want to come across as criticizing other pastors and churches. I would never want to do that. Some of my closest friends are pastors. And I don't make it my job to go around criticizing other, other pastors and churches at all. Okay, that's not what this is. It's just an awareness of what's going on in our nation. And in the world that we live in, it's very easy Matter of fact, we've coined a phrase. I don't know if you've heard this phrase. I, maybe I'm just in the church world and I've heard it. But have you heard the, have you heard the phrase celebrity pastor? I don't know if you heard that. But, but what is it? Well, it, sometimes a pastor looks more like a celebrity than he does a, a pastor. 
And why? Well, because it's easy to get caught up in the same things that the world is doing right now. For no, everything, I, everything I do, there's a, a picture of it now. Everything, everything I say, there's a little, you know, pithy quote about it, and all of my wisdom is out, and, and I'm putting things on social media and all of that. Look, I want to tell you, and I'm, this doesn't make me better than anyone else. I don't have social media. And part of the reason I don't have social media is that reason. I don't want to constantly be thinking about what are people thinking about me? What did they think about the sermon? What do they think about the church? What do they think about how I'm leading and what I'm saying? I don't want to think about that. If I get thinking about that, I'm going to, I'm going to lose thinking about what God thinks about it. Yeah. It's real easy to hear uh, and, and know how you're doing when the only person, when, when what you're talking every morning, you're getting along with God and you're hearing from him. That's the approval that I want is from God. Because if you're not careful, you can find yourself where you have man's approval, but you've lost God's approval. That can happen. That can happen. And, and I think many times that there are, are churches that, and I don't think anyone started out this way, but they can switch over time to where they're all about what do the people want, what do you know, the loudest voices, what do they want versus what does God want. And we got to remember that we work for God. And that's the most important thing. I heard a story one time by a pastor. His name was Francis Chan. And uh, I love this story because it kind of illustrated this so well. He said he was at a conference speaking. And somebody came up to him and said, Oh, Francis, we just love you and your ministry so much. And he said, we follow you on social media, and, and every day, you know, you're like posting these quotes and these scriptures and these things that really bless me so much. And, and I, I just, I look for it every day, you know, and, and, I, and I pay attention to what you say. And so Francis looked at him, and he said, that's, uh, that's really good. He said, there's only one problem. And he said, what's that? He said, I don't have any social media. And what had happened was there was somebody who he created a fake social media account as Francis Chan. And, and he's like, I don't know how to think about this because everything the guy was posting was like pictures of me. It was my quotes. It was scripture. He wasn't really saying anything wrong, but it's just weird because you're an imposter. And you're like speaking on behalf of me, but yet I didn't sanction it and I didn't authorize it. And so it's just kind of weird and he said, and then I begin to think about churches, and I'm like, can we do that? Can, can we find ourselves falling in that trap where, oh, this is for God, and this is what God said, and this is how God thinks, but then God's like, well, yeah, but you kind of left me a long time ago. Like, I'm not the one spirit-breathing this. And, man, I remember when I heard that, I'm like, I, I, I want to make sure for us, it's one of the reasons why we fast at the beginning of every year. Sometimes we fast more than once. A year just to make sure we're on track with the Lord. That's why anything can be changed at any moment. Anything can be cut. Anything can be added. And, and, and it, why? Because we want to stay in tune with what God's doing. God's not stagnant. God's always moving, changing, adapting, growing. And so we want to stay close to Him so that we can do what He wants us to do and, that we can, and so that we can say what He wants us to say. Through the preaching of the word. Amen. Amen. So it's very easy for churches 
to fall into the trap of doing whatever is necessary to fill the seats. Now, you may, have come, you may be new in church, and, or, or maybe you're like, man, I don't even want to think about all the in, inner workings of a church like this. You know, I wanted this to be like a holy and sacred experience where I come, and all I got to do is worship and hear the word and go home. I don't want to have to think about all this. Well, that's fine. You can do that if you want to. But I do think it's important to understand what we're facing. And churches can easily fall into the trap of doing whatever's necessary to fill the seats. Even if that means compromising. And so it becomes all about breaking attendance records, adding services, even when that means compromising. But when your highest goal is growth, you will compromise. Because sometimes doing what is right doesn't lead to growth. Sometimes saying what is right doesn't lead to growth. Preaching the truth of God's word does not always lead to growth. And and this becomes the most important issue. The most important role of the church is to be a voice of truth. That's the most important role of the church. It's not feeding the poor. Okay, feeding the poor, very important. Clothing, Clothing the naked, very, very important. Ministering to those that are hurting, very, very important. It's very high on the list. But it is not the most important thing that the church does. The most important thing that the church does is preach the truth of God's word. Do you know why? Because feeding the poor and and doing those things that make us feel really good does not save a person's soul. And it does not affect a person's eternity by itself. Those two things should go together. They're, They're best when they go together. But you get a lot of people sometimes tied up. They think, well, the church ought to be doing this, ought to be doing this. Yeah. The church ought to be doing a lot of things, but we've got to understand our priorities. And the most important thing that the church of God does is proclaim boldly the unfiltered word of God and the truth of God. That's the most important thing that we do. Well, what happens when the bold truth of God is offending people? What happens when the truth of God's word is causing people to turn away? What do you do then? Well, I'll tell you what a lot of people do is, is they, they adjust it or they water it down slightly because we don't want to run people off. And so if you're not careful, you water it down, then that's offensive. And a few years later, you water it down some more, and now that becomes offensive to the culture, and then you water it down a little bit more, and before long, you're left with nothing but watered-down, runny soup that nobody wants to eat. So it becomes very important that we know what our priority is and what our purposes are. And in, the, in 2023 and forward, it will become more difficult to find churches that are willing to proclaim the truth at that level. Another reason for that is because everything is so public now. I mean, we're, on, we're live streaming, we're on YouTube, you know, we're on... We're on Facebook. Think about churches that are massive, churches in Dallas, church, you know, the 10,000 people, and, and they're on TV, and they're on the Internet, and people are listening. And, and, and I mean, I had this happen in this server. People pull out their phone, and they're recording you while you preach. They're going to post it to social media. And so we live in a very, very, very public world, and in that, in that world, it, becomes, it can become difficult to proclaim the truth of God as he said it. And not dial it back, not not filter it so that nobody is offended. 
that happens when growth is more important than pleasing God. That's why that happens. So it's extremely important that we value truth. We value God's word, and that, that becomes the most important thing. We've had people leave this church for all sorts of reasons, and sometimes we've had people leave this, this church because of uh, you know, something that I said in a sermon that was God's word. And at that point, it's like, well, what are the options then? You know, if, if you're mad and you're leaving because of something, you're not really mad at me, you're mad at God. And, and if, you're rejecting, if you're rejecting God, why do I care if you're rejecting me? I mean, you're rejecting God. It doesn't, and Jesus warned us about that. He said, look, he said, they first, they first rejected me. They first hated me. They're going to hate you also. It's part of the, part of the, part of the package. So I do not want to preach to offend people, all right? That, that I, and matter of fact, if you come here, I, I try to say it as best I can. You know, I try to make sure that it's doused with grace and love and mercy because there's so much of that in the Word, too. As much mercy and grace as we can have, sinners need to know that God loves them. God has a hope for them. God has a plan for them. There's the gospel of, of grace. That's the whole point of the gospel. But we cannot water down the truth. Amen. 2 Timothy 4.1, Paul warned Timothy about this. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. What does that mean? When it's popular and when it's not. Like there, you may, there may be seasons and times where hard preaching is like, People like it. You know, they want, it. They want their toes stepped on and they, they want to be, you know, slapped around with the Word of God. He said, if that's the case, great. But when it's out of season, don't stop preaching it. There may be seasons where people reject it. There may be pe- seasons where people accept it. But you be, you be constant. So that's the call of churches. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Notice what... He says, reprove, rebuke. How many of you like to be rebuked? <laughs> no takers. <laughs> being rebuked is not pleasant. Uh, being reproved is not pleasant. Being exhorted is. That means being encouraged. But I like to say that preaching then is uh, two parts rebuking and one part encouraging. That, that's the recipe. That's the one Paul gave. Anyway, yeah, reprove, rebuke. And sometimes people come to church and say, well, I don't want to you know, hear about all the bad things that I, that I have to do. Well, that's what preaching is. It's reproving. It's showing us where our lives need to change and get better. And it's pointing us to Jesus. And any time that you compare your life with Jesus, there's going to be a, an awakening. There's going to be a moment of realizing, wow, if I'm going to look like that, I have to change. And that shouldn't be a problem especially when we understand God's love and grace for us. So he tells Timothy, Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Now, see, I don't think enough, enough pastors have realized that this is prophetic and that we're, we're entering into a time where people are not going to endure sound teaching. And if you don't know that that's coming and you don't know that that's happening, you're going to change your preaching to suit what people want to hear. 
But this is what he said. He said, the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. We're, we're ha- that's happening. Like that, that's already happening in our, in our nation. More and more people do not want to hear sound teaching. Here's what happens. They've already decided in their mind what they're going to believe, and they just want to find pastors and churches that affirm what they already believe. That's a dangerous place to be in. I don't read the Word of God so that it can console me in what I already believe. I, I, receive, I read the Word of God so that I can repent and get in alignment with the Word of God. I don't want the Word of God, I don't read the Word so that it can affirm something I already believe or that I want to be true. I read the Word of God to find out what is true. And when I read the Word of God, what needs to change and regularly change is my thinking, my, my mind. And it's the same with preaching. If we're really going to preach the Word of God, it ought to regulate. You know, people go, well, they hear the Word and they think, oh, well, you don't believe, you don't believe this. And that becomes the debate. Oh, you think like this. Um, well, I'm just reading to you what the Bible says. And our job when we hear what the Bible says is to adapt, adjust, and repent to be in alignment with the Word. Not to try to find churches that are, are preaching what we already believe or what we, what we want to be true or what we, what we want to be the case. I hear so many people, um, as I listen, uh, just around the, the world, you know, in, in media and, and on the Internet, whatever, I hear so many people uh, shouting, telling, explaining what God is like, it, except their explanation of what God is like is opposite of who he describes himself in the word like. I don't want your opinion of what God is like. I want his opinion. I, he told us who he was in the word. But see, this is the same thing the children of Israel did. God revealed himself as who he was. They didn't like who he was, and so they built a golden calf in the image that they wanted him to be like. And people still do this. God reveals himself in his law and his word as he is, and people go, well, I don't like that. I don't really like that, and that's not the kind of God that I want to serve, so let me sort of create, tweak, adjust, edit, adapt my own idea of what I want God to be like. And some people want to serve a God that is all loving and would never send anybody to hell. And that's their image, and they're not going to believe anything else. Some people want to serve a God that, that affirms every type of marriage, every type of, of sexual orientation. They want to serve a God that that's, supports that, and that's, that's what they have in their mind. And even though a different kind of God is revealed in Scripture, they want to find churches that preach that and believe that. Listen, this, we're fulfilling the Scripture. He said the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. They will not endure it. It means they will not be able to stand it. They will not tolerate it. This reminds me of in the book of Acts when uh, I believe it was Stephen was talking and telling his testimony. And as he was proclaiming, please keep in mind, Stephen, a martyr, as he's dying, the heavens open up. And God receives him straight into heaven. So we get heaven's approval and idea of how heaven thinks about Stephen. 
Yet as Stephen was speaking, the, the religious leaders put their hands over their ears like this because they couldn't hear it. They were like, it would, they, the reason they were doing it, they were saying, it's so offensive what you're saying. It's so wrong what you're saying. I can't even, I don't even want to hear it. We, we're going to plug our ears because what he's saying is so blasphemous. We don't want to hear it. So they, they plugged their ears like this because they, they didn't want to hear what Stephen had to say. So they, they couldn't hear, they couldn't tolerate, they could not endure truth. And they thought they were right. But they actually were fighting against heaven. They were not in alignment with God's word at all. The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. And they will call what is good evil and what is evil good. They will, they will hear someone proclaiming the good and perfect truth of God. And they will say, that is evil. That is bigoted. That is, that is unloving. And they will not be able to hear it. We're already there. We're already there. The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. We're, we're already there as far as the world is concerned. The church, though, if we're not careful, the church will find themselves in this same position. And here's what they will do. They will have itching ears, meaning there's an, there's an itch that can't be scratched. And, and, they, and, the, and what I'm hearing you preach is not doing it. And I need to go hear something else that's going to satisfy that. But having itching ears... They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passion. So what's driving them? Their own sinful passion. The only thing that's driving them and directing them what they want to hear is their own sinful passion in them. They're driving them to find people that will preach what they want to hear. They will turn away from listening to the truth and they will wander off into myths. So this is one reason why, as we move forward in the nation and we move forward, you know, into 2023 and beyond, this is why it will be harder and harder to find uh, churches is because it will become easier and easier and easier to water down what you're preaching to a culture and changing church culture that want to hear something else. And it will become harder and harder to preach truth. It will become more costly to preach truth. It will become more painful to preach truth. And so many churches and leaders will take that other easier, easier road. You know, and think about it when, like any, any organization, there are bills to pay. There are buildings to take. What happens when the, the, the finances is changing because you're saying things that are true and people are leaving that's, that's not happening here, by the way. We've been growing as a church. That's great. We've been growing for several years. But I'm just saying to be thinking about that. Wh how does that influence what the church is saying? How does that influence the church when you have people telling you, hey, you, I don't know if you should say that because uh, so-and-so got mad and left and this group is leaving because this is, this is true. You know, you said this and it, it hurt their feelings and they didn't like that. Well, you have a choice. Do you care more about what people want to hear or do you care more about working for God and serving him as he instructed you to do if you go read through the uh, through the Old Testament very few prophets of God were received by the vast majority of people I mean you look at people like Ezekiel Isaiah Jeremiah for decades they preached, and they would go to God crying. Nobody's listening. 
They hate me. Why are you telling me to do this? And he would say, just go preach what I tell you to preach. And they would go and they would proclaim the word of God. That's not just my calling. That's our calling. That's this church's calling. And it is not like, oh, that you're, yeah, that's your, because you're the preacher and that's, that's your calling. No, we're all in this together. I, you're not, I'm not letting you out of it. We're all in this together. We're all in this together. So it's very important that we understand our call. This is our call. This is the calling of One Life Church, is to preach the word of God boldly and as the Lord instructs. Amen. Amen. Another reason that this, we're not going to cover everything this morning because we're, we're going to run out of time. But another reason that it will be harder and harder to find churches because of, uh, you know, like I said, churches will compromise in several ways. Uh, preaching the truth is one. But here's another reason is because, remember he talked about the fierce wolves? Well, the, the role of the pastor is to confront those wolves. And to deal with those situations. And that does not always lead to growth. Uh, in Revelations chapter 2 verse 19. Jesus rebukes one of the churches. I think it was the church of Thyatira. In uh, Revelations two nineteen, he says, I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance. So they had a lot right. And that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you that you tolerate that woman Jezebel. Now, Jezebel is an Old Testament uh, queen, and this is a, like a type of her. I doubt this person that he's addressing is actually named Jezebel, but, but Jezebel was wicked. She was very controlling. She was very sinful, and he's making the point that that same spirit that was driving Jezebel tries to work its way into churches. And so he said, I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. Here's the point. He's addressing uh, the church and he's saying, look, you got a lot of good things going right, but there's this issue over here and this person over here that you haven't confronted or dealt with. And we don't know how long it's been going on. I mean... By this time, it seems like Jezebel is kind of rooted there. I mean, she's got a following. She's, got, she's calling herself a prophetess. You know, she's leading people astray. And the leadership of the church is just not dealing with it. You know, de- dealing with things like that, dealing with people like that is not pleasant. And it's one of the reasons why, why, uh, why churches have issues is because things that need to be confronted... People that need to be confronted is not always, it doesn't always lead to growth. In other words, it, sometimes you think, well, we'll just leave that alone. We'll just let that happen and it, it won't be a big deal and you, you just let it go. Yeah, but, and so why are you doing that? You're doing that because you're afraid to make somebody mad. You're doing that because you're afraid to hurt somebody's feelings. But look, apparently you hurt God's feelings because he's calling you about it. And he's saying, hey, you got all these things right, but I have this against you. You're being a weak leader. You're not handling this. This situation was there. This person was there, and they were hurting the church, and you cared more about keeping peace than you did about protecting the people that were being hurt by her. So he said, I have this against you. You've tolerated that woman, Jezebel. And churches are notorious for this. They won't deal, they won't deal with situations and issues because... 
because they don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. And, and again, if you care more about growth and those types of things, that can skew your, your vision of, of how you handle and things that you do. Here's another one. Churches will be tempted to compromise, to cave to every whim, desire, and trend uh, of the culture. And let me give you an example. Like, we have, how, how many of you know our culture is changing all the time? I mean, my goodness, it's changing fast. Between social media and what's tolerated, what's not, what entertains people, what does not. Like, it's changing all the time. And I do, you know, you've heard me talk. I do think churches should be changing as well, adapting, growing all the time. Because it's a living thing. It's an organism. So it shouldn't remain stagnant. It should be changing. But what's driving that change? And if it's every whim, desire, trend of the culture, we're going to have problems. Some, some churches will follow the whims, desire, trends of the culture to stay relevant with whatever is happening in the, in the culture. But that's not, a, that's not who we're supposed to be following. And we have to be careful here because we've had many conversations as a church staff. We have them, and we've had them in the past, and we have them regularly, conversations like this. Well, what do the young adults of today want? What do the youth of today want? What do the parents of today want? What are they looking for? What are they expecting? It's a great conversation to have, but did you know it's not the most important thing? Because sometimes what people want and what they need are two different things. Sometimes what people think they, they, they want may be coming from selfishness. It may be coming of a lack of understanding of what the church of Jesus Christ is and what we're supposed to actually be doing. So you can't a church can't be driven by every whim, desire, trend of the culture. You know, well, millennials are like this. You know, Gen Z is like this. And so we've got to change this and do this. To a degree, that, that should factor in. But it can't be the main thing. And it can't be the thing that drives every decision. The thing that drives every decision, you're going to get tired of hearing me say it, is, is this pleasing to God? Is this what He wants? So what do we do? How do you prepare? How do you respond to this sermon? I think a couple quick things. One, I encourage every believer to find the church that God has called them to be part of. If it is not this church, that is fine. But you need to find a church, if you can, you need to find a church that is following God. And that is following his word and has the heart that we were talking about this morning. And two, you need to get planted in that church. Do you know what it means to get planted? To get rooted in, in somewhere? It means you're not changing churches every, every two years, bouncing around, moving. You get planted, you get rooted somewhere and say, God, it's not all about what I want out of this church. It's about what you want through me in this church. Why did you place me here? What is, my, what is my calling? What is my purpose here? Get planted. Get your kids planted. I'm going to tell you, the thing that excites me the most about this church, and I've been thinking this way for years, I love all of you. I love the adults. But I'm going to tell you, the thing that gets me most excited about this church is thinking about 
the children and the youth that have been raised in this church from the time they could barely walk. And they've come up through children's church and they've come up through youth hearing these sermons, thinking this way. I'm expecting some soldiers to come out of that, that group back there. And I get excited thinking about that. Get planted. Get your kids planted and don't let anything get you unplanted. Don't let anything get you unplanted. Not a job. I've seen a lot of people fall away from the Lord because they were on, on track and then all of a sudden their schedule changed at work. Now they can never be in church. Okay, don't, don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. Don't, don't get unplanted. Don't, don't get offended by something. Don't get bothered by something. Like, it, church is a family, so things have to be talked through, and we get over things, and there's going to be people rub you the wrong way. Let, great, let's talk through it. Let's forgive. Let's move forward. Amen? Okay. So get planted. Get your kids planted. Don't let anything get you unplanted. And then I encourage you to please pray for your church. Pray for your church. Prayer works. And what we're facing in 2023 and beyond requires prayer from the body of Christ. It can't just be one person or a handful of people. We need to pray for each other. We need to pray for the leadership. We need to pray for the church. We need to pray for the youth and kids. We need to pray, 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 pray. And this is one of the things that will help you stay planted because if something does bother you and you take it to prayer, you're going to handle it different. You're going to handle it completely different. So pray for your church. Pray for me. Pray for my family. Pray for uh, Brandon and Jamie. Pray for our worship team. Pray for us because I believe those prayers work and, and what God's trying to do and accomplish through this church is going to take everybody praying together. Amen. Amen.